This program was recorded at Sun Bear Studio in Ripley, Mississippi. Hey, Shark fans, it's Melinda with another episode of Main Street Moments. And today in Sun Bear Studio, I have with me the Managing Director of the Corinth Area Arts Council, Patrick Hudson. Thank you so much, Patrick, for driving over to Ripley today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. How long have you been the director over there? Almost three years. I'm working on my third year as the director. Way back in 1980, they redid the Corinth Coliseum, and I went to see My Fair Lady there with Nan Williams Mm -hmm. in the leading role. And that's how old I am. <laughs> so <laughs> That doesn't make you old, but that is kind of the founding of the Arts Council. The Arts Council kind of came to be as a saving force to save that historic venue, but also to kind of be a bolster for the arts in the area. Absolutely. So let's just start there. The Corinth Coliseum is a beautiful building. It is, and we're very lucky to have it. You know, we're fixing to celebrate our centennial in 2024, so we're really gearing up for that and trying to do a lot of repairs and bring back the beauty to the old lady but we're very lucky to have her in Corinth and uh, it's such a unique venue for this area of the country. It is. I do recommend it to anybody who is a theater fan in the area. If you've not been to a show in the Corinth Coliseum, it is quite beautiful to sit in. That is right. I mean, from the plaster to we have tile lobbies, the you know, and then just the ornate work as you go up the marble staircases. Uh, the theater originally seated right under a thousand. We've made it a little more comfortable in modern times, but new seats and the orchestra levels and stuff. And so now it seats a little over 800, between 800 and 900. It is still a magnificent theater to behold, and the sound is unmatched. You can about not use microphones at all in this space. It's been interesting. We've been holding play rehearsals in the space for an upcoming production, and we can just talk without using microphones in this huge cavernous space, and it just carries your voice through. It was really a work considering the guy who built it wasn't an architect. He wasn't a theater consultant. He was a banker and a businessman. He loved to entertain. It wasn't his first theater. It was his second indoor theater to build. His first one still stands as well in Corinth, although it's not currently a theater. It's kind of retail locations, but the building's still there. He, it's kind of an interesting story. The rumor goes that uh, he was looking to expand his empire, and then he had sent his daughter to the movies one day, and she had gone to a, a competitor's movie theater, but that was okay because it showed the kids' movies there. And uh, she came home upset because she didn't have enough money to get in and get her snacks and stuff because prices had raised and he said oh I'll build you your own theater so that was kind of the romantic rumor I doubt it's true you know it's kind of a romantic way to get into this beautiful pink building with all this Greek revival architecture and so it's interesting I tell people on tours all the time you know you come into this building you see all this marble and this gold leaf and this stained glass and you go wow this is amazing and it sure had to be amazing because for the first six years the road was dirt outside and so you came off a dirt road road and then entered into this magnificent theater to see a movie or a vaudeville show or later theater opera ballet it's been home to so many things over the years so and so what is it going to be home to with you as the director? That's right. So when I took over in 2020, we already had the Corinth Symphony Orchestra that had been around for over 20 years. They're working towards 30 really quick, and they're a fantastic orchestra. They're all professional players. They bring them in. They're all from over the southeast area of the country, and they do a full season there. And then we have the Corinth Ballet that produces the Nutcracker there each year. But when I got there, I wanted to focus on revitalizing the Arts Council itself and the education departments of the Arts Council because I 
truly do believe to have patrons for the symphony and the ballet and theater productions and whatever, you must educate them. So that's where we started. And so we've really relaunched our education departments. We're very lucky that the Arts Council already owned a building that was the original Greyhound bus station in Corinth from the 1930s. And so recently, the lady that had been renting that building as a tenant from us retired and vacated the building. And suddenly we had this space and we could rent it to another tenant or we could use it. And so we decided to use it. So in that course, we've opened an art gallery there called Sunny Spot that does like eight to 10 art shows a year. The theater, when I got there, was utilized about eight to 10% of the year. Uh, We were pushed upwards of 40% now of the year that the theater actively has something going on each day. And we're keeping to push that number further. We've also launched a professional theater company. It's always been my dream to bring professional theater back home with me because that was my background and career for the last decade. And so I started looking geographically at the location of other professional theaters. And I noticed there was a small hole in the map (laughs) and that we could fill that hole in Corinth and be pretty close to the center of it. So about a year ago, I started planning with the board the launch of a professional theater company to be at home in the Coliseum. Started with getting permission for all that to happen and kind of establishing bylaws. And then we went into planning and dealing with the COVID and how we were going to navigate out of COVID and into kind of a sustainable model for theater there. We wanted to make sure that everyone involved was paid, the actors, the crew, all of the background people, they were getting something back. So we were building a local arts economy. And so after a year of planning, we were able to launch our first show, Barefoot in the Park. We've been rehearsing for about five weeks now, and we open on July 15th in Corinth. And so we're excited. This is a group of veteran actors and new green actors that have never done theater before, but we pushed them really hard. And we set down expectations when we came in. We said, we love community theater. We think community theater is the bedrock of theater in our country, but this is not community theater. And we really want to provide a quality, top-notch performance for these people. So we're going to push you really hard. It's not going to be as an enjoyable experience as you think it is. It's going to be work, but it's going to come out to be a great show. And that's truly what's happening. And we're finding out to be very enjoyable. The actors, are all, they've really gotten motivated by the work and discovering that being a professional actor or working at a professional level doesn't mean having training, going to Juilliard, touring the world. These people can achieve that same level of performance just by working really hard and studying what they're doing as an art form. So that's been an interesting take as we're building into that. And we're excited to open that show. And then our board's already planning our fall shows. We're working on an experience called the Legend of Sleepy Hollow Experience that will be coming in the fall that we're fixing to announce in about a week. And all the details of that, we're working on a Christmas production. And we're working on some educational touring productions right now that are original productions. We're working with playwrights to tour them into elementary schools around the region. Wow, (laughs) that is a lot going on and that is also fantastic. How exciting. It is exciting. And so we knew that we had the symphony, we had the professional theater now, we had the ballet, we had all these arts opportunities, we had a space for the visual arts now in the art gallery. Now we needed to kind of fill the calendar. And we started scratching our heads on how do you fill the calendar in this beautiful space? Because it's expensive to turn on 289 light bulbs every time you turn on the house lights. It's expensive to turn on the 89 light bulbs in the marquee and let them glow all night. So we started looking at ways to kind of really expand. And then we realized, well, we don't need to look anywhere but to our history and our roots. So we're working on installing a cinema grade projector, cinema screens in the space so that we can screen first run and classic movies of all types. We can screen educational screenings and really expand the offerings that the theater has and that the arts council 
council has there on that block. Wow. Okay. And let's pivot to talk about the education piece for a minute. Tell me what all is happening there. So right now, our first thing I want to talk about is our AIR program. It's called Artist in Residence. And basically what we wanted to do is find artists working around the region that maybe they weren't professional level, but they were sufficient in their art form to teach that art form to others. And uh, they went through a rigorous process. We put them through background checks and all the good stuff, and they become an AIR instructor. And then anyone in our community can apply through the Arts Council on a sliding scale fee to take private instruction from our AIR staff. And so they do like an hour weekly lesson. Some of them are dance, some of them are theater, it's vocal music, it's instrumental music. We're working on a pottery instructor right now for a student. We are working on a painting instructor for a student. But the goal is is to erase the barrier between access to the arts. When I was young, I came from a, you know, a pretty impoverished family. We didn't have a lot of extra money. And so access to like private piano lessons just wasn't a reality for me in my family. But when I got older and did gain access to those things through my educational opportunities, I realized how important they were to an artist really forming a solid bedrock. And so we said, before we do anything else, we need to provide a solid bedrock and one-on-one lessons are the way to do that. So this was actually the idea of Samuel Sloan, our education director. He kind of came up with all the nitty gritty details. So when students come in, they go through not only a basic application, but like also a learning analysis, a psychological analysis, and go and we take that and go, this is the way the student learns. This is the best situation to put them in. This is the style of instructor they need. And then we go to our instructor pool and pair them together. And then our education director continually checks up on the progress of those students. They lesson plan out how those students grow to make sure that they're growing and building in the program. And then, like I said, all of this is on a sliding scale. So some students are doing this for $5 a week. Uh, even the full scale price, even not on the sliding scale, is just $50 a week for a private one-hour lesson, which is lower than the market value in our area. So that was kind of the bedrock of our education department. But we also offer things that aren't really geared at kids. So like we have a stained glass workshop coming up in August. We have an introductory to photography class where the students will go and take film photography and digital photography. So, you know, we have a bunch of different offerings. We have a creative writing workshop that's over a month that will finish with a published book. These are the goals is to give exposure to the arts, but also build a solid foundation for our community so that they can really become the artists that are that are all there. Because I truly believe everyone's an artist. They just haven't found their art form. They haven't found how to express themselves yet. And so there's some way for them to do that. And whether that's making jewelry, taking photographs, doing pottery, singing, dancing, you name it. That's what the Arts Council is there to perform. And then the last kind of kind of piece of this whole puzzle is what we call the Carnath Craft Collective. The whole here is craftsmen and artisans who sell their goods. They don't get a lot of support from the arts community many times because people see them as small businesses. But they're really artisans too. And so what we want to do is take these artisans and bring them together for vendor events, but also give them support and how to be a small business, how to market your small business. And then the last part of that is we're working on opening a gift shop there in Corinth at our venue that will house all these artisans' goods there and they'll be available for purchase into a retail environment and we're really building something for the future of our community. Arts funding has been on the decline in America since the Reagan era. It's just a fact that as budgets have gotten tighter and tighter, inflation's happened, there's just, you know, increasing national debt. There's just not a lot of room for the arts when you're talking about health care and war and and poverty and so it's important to 
make sure that the arts support each other. So when the symphony's helping the art gallery, helping the artisans, helping the theater company, and it's all kind of hand in hand looking at the future of our community. And one of the things I do on my tours of the Coliseum is I ask people, I, I'm like, open your eyes, look at whatever's around you. There is no way there's not art in front of you, whether it's the logos on the things or the wallpaper on your walls or the magazine in front of you or the street signs as you drive down the street and listen to this interview. All of that was designed by an artist. And we have to support a next generation of artists. That's how we get an arts renaissance in America. That's how we improve social life together. And uh, that's how I know I can contribute to that. Give everybody your contact information before we go. You can contact the Corinth Area Arts Council by emailing us at info at corintharts.org. You can also look at all the upcoming events at the Coliseum, at corinthcoliseum.com. And then Facebook is the best way to keep up with everything right now. And our Facebooks are Corinth Area Arts Council and Corinth Coliseum. And then Mississippi Repertory Theater is msrep.org. And then all of these organizations, you can contact our central office at 662-664-5678 and just select your department. And Shark fans, just like every other interview, I'll put all of those contact numbers and locations in our show notes so you can go to the website and find all that contact information if you missed it just now. Thank you so much for having me here today to talk about some of this. Patrick, I am inspired and excited about the future of the arts in Mississippi. I am as well. Shark fans, that's it for this edition of Main Street Moments. Tune in every Monday at 11 to hear from local Main Street tourism and museum directors. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for an interview or you want access to this interview, go to our website, shark1023.com, and click on the interview tab. Keep it tuned to the Shark 1023 and have a great rest of the day.